0: ever wanted to work in the gaming industry? He's here to tell you why that's a bad idea. It's Behind the Line Radio, with your host, Kinetic, and it starts now.
1: Welcome everyone to Behind the Line Radio, and we are finally recording again. I know a couple weeks ago I said I wasn't going to miss a week, and then I followed that up by missing a week. But, uh, hey, man, my life's been pretty crazy. I'm sorry, everybody, but uh, I got a surprise. I mean, two of my last four articles have been talking about Alex St. John, and today I actually have an engineer with me. Eric, how are you doing today, man?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I mean, Warrior's lost, but other than that, I'm doing good.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, will uh, <laughs> I I am not too much of a sports guy. I I am impressed with Steph Curry, but I don't exactly know how to react to that.
0: <laughs> you don't. Know, uh, I mean, you know, Warriors games are expensive. You have to be an engineer with an engineer salary to go to a
1: Warriors game. So oh, you know, it's, it's so you're thing. so you're happy with your pay?
0: <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, let's talk about this. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah. So Alex Saint John has talked a lot about. Well, really what started him off was what he defined as a wage slave attitude, and he wrote his article on VentureBeat. I've talked about it a lot already. Eric, you've read it as well, and for anyone who hasn't read it, the short of it is he doesn't want to see uh, people in the games industry complaining about how much they have to work because it's great that they have an opportunity to work in the games industry. Now, there's a whole lot more to it than that, but that is the short version. Um, from my point of view, I think, well, there's a lot of terminology that you can unpack here. I think the first thing I would, would point out is I actually think what he's referring to as a wage slave might be more identifiable as punch clock, the kind of people who just come in to do the work and go home and i think that's kind of what he takes offense to the other thing is i think i think he has a, a kind of an off definition of crunch because i from my opinion there is a difference between overtime and crunch time and one of the problems with this is that there is no really accepted definition of when overtime stops and crunch begins because a lot of people kind of identify crunch as excessive and unnecessary over time. Stuff to the point where it starts to become destructive to your working. And I mentioned in my article that uh, I have worked, you know, 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week, for several months on end. No days off. And if I wasn't 22, I probably would have gotten fairly non-functional at the end of that. Uh, I've also felt... I think this is kind of a different kind of crunch, but uh, there was one point where I was working at a place where it was uh, minimum 50-hour weeks, and I did that for a year and a half. And I would point out that that one started getting destructive because at the end of it, while we had 10 hours worked on the clock, we were probably only getting about seven and a half hours of work out of people. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, it can come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. And it can lead to burnout. And I would like to say that, yes, burnout is a very real state that you can get in. It's very destructive. But that's enough of me talking. I've gone on quite a bit here. <laughs> Eric, would you like to weigh in on this topic?
0: Yeah, let's start with this overtime versus crunch time thing. Absolutely. Um, I could go sentence by sentence, but I don't remember all of it. Um, you don't
1: have to. Just go so for it, man.
0: Engineers are paid salaried. Yes. So overtime's not a thing. Like I, I made a joke when I first got converted um, from a bottom of the rung porting engineer, which was to take a game somebody else made and put it on a crappy J2ME phone that had its own set of video sequences. And
1: and it was it was phone, already on a J2ME phone. You were just moving it from one device to another. Yeah,
0: yeah, right. A good a good Nokia phone to a piece of junk, a Virgin Mobile phone. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, so. Uh, and I made a joke and they all laughed nervously. And it's kind of interesting to this conversation, which is, um, they, they brought me in a room and they were congratulating me because so I got a raise and they said, you're no longer contract because, um, and we, I was the fastest, uh, engineer in history at this company to get converted from contract to perm because they had a mill of contract workers. Anyways, um, and, and they said, oh, you're getting a raise and you're getting a promotion. You're made full time and all the stuff. And I was like, and I made a joke, and I said, "Oh, it's so you can get me like you don't have to pay me overtime for all these hours, <laughs> right? Because I was working crazy hours. I, I, uh, you know, I, I ported stuff to Android when it first came out. Um, like I bought a phone from like HTC before T-Mobile even had their first G1, yeah. just so I could get this promotion, and I did, and it worked, and I got a lot of money. It was good. And um, but I made this joke, and they all laughed, laughed nervously, and uh, our COO at the time, you know who was in charge uh said something of the effect of we can't say that
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty i'm i'm pretty sure i know who you're referring to and yes that would that would result in nervous laughter around the room
0: right 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 right. you told me not to mention proper nouns so (laughs) so anyways i got more money it was cool i it was validation i was happy about it and um uh so so overtime versus crunch time for an engineer is salary and it's an important note to make what salary means means you're in charge of a task the truth is if you're salaried if you work one hour a week you get paid for the whole week if i read an email during a week that company legally owes me one week of salary so crunch time and overtime for most engineers is indistinguishable yeah we have to work more we don't get paid more in fact
1: I, I, I let me let me interject for a second. I have read up on this quite extensively there are a lot more caveats than you put in there for like a whole week I think uh, and it varies state to state so if anyone's listening to this and taking your <laughs> HR cues from this, look up your state laws but the general uh, 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 if I can kind of paint on this a little bit the general definition is as salary you are given a task you're in charge of the task if you complete the task you are due your salaried wage.
0: Right, right, right. Uh, you know more about this than me because you hire more people than I do.
1: Yeah, I also set up a clock system and, and followed all kinds of other stuff. So yeah, I, I, <laughs> like, I've, yeah, I've read up on this and I've worked with HR carefully. So
0: yeah, no, you're better at this than me for sure. <laughs> I, I play fast and loose and hope it all works out.
1: Yeah, you do. I know but, you do.
0: <laughs> it does work out from this one. Um, so okay. So, so for us, it's about, it's about what we get paid for how much we work. And my understanding of the controversy is that what Alex St. John said was that hey, you work in the games industry, like it's a beautiful thing, like you you're passionate about. It. It's not about the money. And there's plenty of studies that say over $70,000 a year, it's not about the money. Now, I live in San Francisco. Oh, I can't use proper. Names. You can I live in that. an expensive place to live. <laughs> 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 and uh uh in the United States and so you know, that number is different, but I make over that number, whatever it is. And, and the question is, is, do you like doing it? And that's kind of what it gets at. Like you're complaining about this, right? You're complaining about, you have to work all these hours and you don't get paid more. And, um, it's a culture of it. Like they expect you to, because when they hire you, theoretically, you're negotiating for 40 hours a week, right? As like, a
1: baseline.
0: Yeah, it's a baseline. That's a
1: baseline understanding of what a work week is.
0: Right, of what a work week is, right? And it's salaried, so like that's what you're going to get paid. It's not even about the number of hours, but it's assumed 40. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, turns out it's actually illegal to salary somebody instead of uh, making them hourly in order to avoid paying overtime. Mm-hmm. So you can't even talk about it, really.
1: And, um, and I, I should also point out that here's, – here's another one of those weird labor caveats that I ran into – in some industries, you can be due extra compensation for extra work, even as salary, but it doesn't apply in video games because we're a part of the entertainment industry. Yeah. So. So, I mean, so yeah, it, th- there's a lot of weirdness involved in it, but the, every everything you're saying applies in the video games industry.
0: Right. Right. So it's it's assumed that you're gonna work 40 hours, and it turns out you're not gonna work 40 hours. It's it's a truism. Like what he's talking about is real that uh, a lot of times your hours are more than 40, and you're not compensated based on the original conversation you had when you signed that contract for how much you were paid for what it mattered. Um, I'm a manager, so so personally, uh, j- this is just me, and I'm not a normal manager, I'm a weird manager. Um, I believe to run my engineers at 70% all of the time because I know there's going to be crunch time. And I know I'm going to have to push you 150% or 200%, which is 60 hours, 80 hours, sometimes 100 hours um, during certain times. It's just going to happen. And we can talk about why those things happen. But it's not fair that you run them that way all the time. And sometimes culture, um, for a lot of reasons, which we will go into the specifics here, I guess, uh, happens. So I actually try to tell them, hey, leave early. A lot, right? Like, don't come in, work from home that day because in three weeks, like, we're gonna, it's go time and we have to hit a lot. So I don't want you to burn out. Mm-hmm. So I would agree that burnout's a thing. It's not about pushing a mouse. Like, the calories burned by moving a three ounce object is not important to what we do. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and there's a i i think there's a, uh, one thing to note there was there was also the whole, um, quote, real work thing in in Alex St. John's uh, pieces where he he's apparently, I mean, I'm not going to uh, really challenge him on that one. He's from a really rough upbringing out in the rural Alaska where you have to go hunting to get your food and or else you'll starve kind of a situation. So, I mean, that's not exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about, quote, work. Like you say, it's not about the calories burned where you're pushing a mouse around. Um, it's, it's to my, to my perspective, it's more about, you know, mental effort and being able to maintain focus and, sure. and quality of work on a sustained level. And again, I'd like to point out that, that this is kind of a difference that we're calling but uh, to me again, there's no accepted definition of crunch, but you talk about, you know, 60, 80 hour weeks and you let people kind of run on. 70%, which I presume you mean 70%, where 100% is your maximum safe?
0: No, uh, 100% is 40 hours.
1: Oh, I see. Interesting. So like, okay. you don't
0: have, you, 30 hour work. You said it right, that yeah. I, I always tell my engineers, uh, six hours of solid work is fine. Yeah. Um, uh, because, it, you know, 12 hours, 13 hours, what are you doing? You're probably making bugs.
1: Yeah. Right? And, and probably that's. And, hey, exactly, because you're going to get to a point where you're not mentally sharp anymore, and there's going to be points where you're going to need to stay rested so you can keep your stamina up for when you have to push that hard. And that's going to happen because, you know, hiccups are going to happen. I mean, we work in an industry where there's so much, you know, interdependent, stacked-on technology that one, it's a princess in the peace situation kind of where you have one thing at the very end of the chain happening, it sends these ripples all the way down, and then the princess that's your game at the end is like, oh, this doesn't work right anymore. I'm
0: Googling princess and the pea, sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that is. Um, The strange things you realize people don't know when you're in a conversation. Oh, I see. Wikipedia summary has told me everything I need to know. Yes, Um, (laughs) the the, the princess who, who someone needed to prove that this woman was actually a princess and the right. proof was that she would have to be super, super picky. So she was on like six stacked mattresses. They put one pee under the bottom mattress and that was too much of a disruption and she could not sleep well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they had good signs and they tried it without it. And, you know,
1: <laughs> no, the problem was actually that your mattresses are garbage. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and you know, you know the, the messed up thing about this is that... The reason this happens is what you said is true, but the people in charge of the engineers, dude, they write numbers on spreadsheets. It's not that criticism is more properly directed towards uh, project managers, I would
1: say, than, oh. than oh. engineers. So, Alex St. John would say that you believe in some mythical management that would make crunch time go away. No, <laughs> but it's,
0: it's unreasonable to expect the people who do scheduling to understand the problem you're facing.
1: True. True. Um,
0: and, and it's their middle management, right? Like, like they're reporting to a, an investor or a CEO or a COO or a VP or something, right?
1: Mm-hmm. That,
0: that demands results. And they don't know. They don't, like, their job is to be like, this will be done in two weeks. And the way they do it is they go to engineering and they go to art and they go to QA and they say, how long does all this take? And we guess, because we don't. And they take those numbers and they they cut them down by two or three weeks and they promise them, which makes everybody happy. And one of the problems is they would rather be happy than right. Mm. And some good producers and good project management takes engineering estimates and multiplies them by some fudge factor, 1.5, 1.2, 2.0. got to know your engineering team.
1: Wow. Yeah, like uh, like uh, anytime you get an estimate from Mister Scott, you can divide it by four and it'll be fine.
0: Star Trek no, no, joke. No, oh yeah, I was gonna say nobody, oh, right. Nobody divides.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, how else is he gonna maintain his reputation as a miracle worker unless he always comes in so far under schedule?
0: I know, but you don't know what they're doing with that either, right? Like some people, like, look, I'm gonna guess two weeks, but I know. So I'm gonna tell you three or four weeks, and like I don't know, right? Like it's it's random. Yeah. Because engineering is hard.
1: Yeah. I mean that that's even happened to me in QA. Someone asked me, "Well, how long this take?" Like I don't know. That could take me two weeks. About an hour later, here it is. Right, right, right. Well, that was fast. Yeah, my first try worked perfectly. And you don't know that's gonna happen, right? Yeah.
0: And, and project managers inherently want things to be predictable. And what we do is inherently unpredictable. That's uh, true. Like again, all, all parts art. Art's an easy one for people to understand, I think, because it's visual. Mm-hmm. And like, like, I want it to look good. Well, <laughs> okay. So I drew a thing, right? I painted it. I think it was good, or maybe I don't. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And I like, show t- it to people,
0: right? And they like, it looks like crap. And you're like, okay. So, so yeah. So with with thing.
1: with art, not not to not to. Just in case anyone's hearing it this way, not to discredit the work that artists do in any way. It's just a lot more upfront. We, we wouldn't be, I, I sure as hell, I can't draw for crap. I wouldn't be able to do it, but I can see kind of what goes into it somewhat. And so with that, you'd be like, okay, we have this much time to make, you know, your initial design. And then you get a cup, you schedule a couple of rounds of feedback and there's less variance to that then there would be some other stuff unless you started getting into 3d and you were having rigging problems on the well, model or something.
0: I mean, but the reality is the CEO can look at it and be like, this looks like crap. And you're like, well, let's do user testing. Mm-hmm. And the user testing is inconclusive because it <laughs> it's like, you're like, Hey, do you want free food? Do you want to play a game? I'll give you 50 bucks. You want to show up? And they're like, yeah. And half the people just tell you what you want to hear. So, so anyways, so, I mean, art's art's a good example. Engineering is worse, and QA is arguably even worse than that, which is art's like, hey, make something look good and have all the stakeholders buy in to this is exciting, or we have stats from a user survey that it says it's exciting, whatever that means. Um, And then, okay, cool. And then engineering has to make it come alive. And this is very complicated and not usually applicable for a podcast, I would assume, because code is hard and uh platforms are difficult and things change and all that and then qa has to then find what we missed and engineers are smart people
1: like,
0: <laughs> and, and we're arrogant right we we have an ego
1: you well have, you are
0: uh, And most of <laughs> us. uh you know we're smart people it's, it's i always yeah. say if you want to get into tech you just be smart it's easy <laughs> um and so we don't like being wrong, and QA's job, who's paid whatever, a third or a quarter of what we were paid, um, has to find where we missed. And the question is, how long does it find a, how long does it take to find all the bugs? You
1: know, and the answer would be often be something like, I have no idea, how buggy is it? Well, I don't know how buggy is it, we can only find that out by finding the bugs, so.
0: Right, and it's theoretically unanswerable, because you could miss things, and there's no proof to say you found them all.
1: Uh, I, th- I think you might remember this. I, I, I irritated one of the, the producers by creating a chart. It's like, when do you think QA will be able to pass this? And I pointed to a chart that was QA confidence over time and it never reached
0: 100%. Sure. Yeah, right. Um, and so it's inherently unpredictable. And what happens is these project managers like predictability and they want to say milestone one will be done by such and such a date and Feature 7 will be done by such and such a date, and it will take these many engineers that will do this much work and accomplish this feature. And finance, right, who's involved in this, like starts being like, well, what do we pay them? When are they done? And the game will be done by this, and it will make so much. And, like, they're all doing very simple Excel math, but, you know, rigorously. Um, and the truth is it's all based on a house of cards, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's so very...
1: A- yeah, they're, they're coming up with concrete numbers based on very fuzzy estimates.
0: Yeah, right. That's exactly right. And, mm-hmm. and we're talking about games. So mm-hmm. it's not just games are hard. And, and Alex St. John makes this point, and
1: he's not wrong.
0: The worst kind
1: of right. Not wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And games are the hardest things. Like, no other piece of... He makes a joke about business productivity software. Like, you could do that and make more money. And it's true. Because I've, I've it,
1: actually heard you say that in the past.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm I like I went from games to digital entertainment and it's already a lot easier. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, sure, and it pays better. Uh and the the problem is that with games, no business productivity software, the person buying it is buying it to make more money. The people who are playing our games are doing it to have fun, right? 98% of our users don't give us money and free to play. I'm not sure box games are different. Um you know, mobile and console is different, too. Yeah. But um, so the games industry is a very disparate set of, of
1: yeah, people. yeah. You've got you've got your AAA, you've got your triple yeah. I indies, you got your boutique mm-hmm. indies, you got your paid mobile, you got your free to play mobile, you got your PC, you got your console, you got your people trying to make it on the PSN and XBLA. What whatever. was
0: that Android Android thing?
1: U- U- Uya. Oh, that's dead and gone.
0: I know. I have friends that, who, who spent uh, two years of their lives making no money doing a startup uh, doing that.
1: Oh, and, I'm who, sorry. Well,
0: I, I can't use proper names. Um, uh, and, and some publisher shut them down. I don't know. <sighs> <laughs> but, uh, the, I mean, the it's very complicated, right? Because games mostly fail. And yeah. They're very expensive because engineers are expensive and artists or whatever – and like you have to pay them, and the project manager are expensive, and there's a whole marketing is all the money. You know, people talk about how much it costs to make a game, but like getting people to play your game is far more expensive than building it.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I've I've I haven't seen like strict numbers, but I am obliquely aware of you know, in some mobile games, your your what you spend to get people into the game can be. More than you spent to make the game.
0: Oh, so by far, by far. A yeah. game, a game might cost two to five million dollars. And, uh, you won't get anybody unless you spend at least ten to fifteen million dollars in marketing that game. Yeah. Um, it's at the start, right? Like, right at the beginning. Because
1: um, you gotta build up that momentum.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's ratings, there's chartings, there's press, there's all this stuff that goes into it. And, uh, what was I saying? I was, I got off on a
1: tangent. You're supposed to give me an official tangent. Here. <laughs> oh, that's you, probably like a four. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we can go farther. Oh, you can always go farther.
0: <laughs> um, but anyway, so his, his principal point uh, to try to get back to your podcast is that you work in games and you should be happy to work in games and it's not that hard and you make a ton of money. And what are you complaining about? Right? I mean, essentially, I mean, he makes all these arguments, but he's making an emotional argument, essentially, mm. right? Like he's saying, "Life is good. Like you, are, you could afford to live where you lived. You could afford to eat what you eat. You could afford to drink what you drink. Like I grew up on a farm in Canada, or the heck you think.
1: Yeah, he was off in Alaska.
0: Right. That's he was Canada. way
1: out in the middle of nowhere.
0: <laughs> right. And so, and don't get me wrong. My favorite job I ever had was being a janitor. It was a beautiful job. It was, mm. it was physical work, but oh. Um, and it's disingenuous for him to say that, that what technical, whatever, whatever work is, it is easy. The more you make, the harder it is. It's just capitalism. Like, it's yeah. not easy. It's not pleasant, and we're doing it for money.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I, I understand his point to that because I actually asked you about this a while ago, I didn't give you any context, but his point about... Um, you may not have seen this from him, but uh, uh, his, the idea is that, particularly as an engineer, because he actually didn't say this at first, but he's specifically talking about engineering.
0: He, okay, fra- I he framed
1: engineering. it, yeah. He framed it as though it was all of the games industry, which, as QA, who's gone through the, the meat grinder a few times, I took a <laughs> bit of exception to, but I understand what he's saying uh, at least... Conceptually, with engineering, and he explained it better in one of his blog posts where if you have a, uh, a problem that you're trying to solve, you kind of lose yourself in the work that you're doing on it. And he made a, uh, a, a like a Zen trance analogy that you weren't so fond of.
0: Yeah, we could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. He said, I, so I remember this. This is, this is how this all started, which was like you go into a trance and you wake up 12 hours later and like the code is written. War. so the thing with zen and trances and meditation is that you're emptying your brain and the thing with engineering is you're filling your brain and don't get me wrong you can go into a problem and like you'll be so focused on that problem that when you st- lose your focus of that problem it's hours and hours later and it feels like no time has passed that's a sensation that happens but it's not pleasant. I mean, it's not easy anyways. It's like making a correct chess move. Like I thought 10 moves in advance. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't paying attention to if I was hungry or what the clock said while I was thinking about this. Um, so it kind of gives you a time dilation. But But it's a bad analogy because Zen or Trance is – it seems easy. And engineering is is being able to have working memory in your brain. is to hold a lot of things in your brain at the same time. Yeah. And, and then to, to find – engineering is a weird – I don't mean to get too much of a tangent, but engineering is a weird discipline in software engineering, which mm. is important because I know mechanical engineers that make cars right. and civil engineers and make bridges and – Electrical yeah, right.
1: engineers, whatever. Right, yeah. right.
0: But, but in the games, industry engineering is software engineering. Mm-hmm. And so – it's both, and, and more so in games. I mean, games are so brutal. Like, you don't get to use the widgets for menus. You have to design your own menu. Like, you're, you're rendering everything. Like, you have a physics sim, and you have a sound sim, and you have an economy you're tuning, and you have all this stuff that most apps don't have. I mean, it's brutal what, what you deal with in games. It's, it's extremely difficult. And this is why we always say, which he makes as a point, once you do games, dude, just go out in—I don't know—making some B2B app. Like, if you're gonna make more money. It's gonna be easy peasy. <laughs> and it is. Games are hard.
1: Like, yeah. Really- games are hard on a lot of levels—not just making yeah. them, but the business of them. Like we said, how much you have to spend oh. to get people into it. Right. And free to play is just a, a freaking mutant shark tank of a market. No matter what any of the uh, the the stereotypes are of it, oh, you just throw in at purchases in and you make a lot of money. No, but um, yeah. I think uh, you kind of brush onto an interesting uh, sort of side uh, um, aspect of this, where one thing I think I think something that kind of bleeds through with what he's saying is that he is someone for whom that loss of time actually is pleasant. He enjoys it, and, I, and I'm and i just kind of reading this into it. I could be completely wrong about it, but judging him by what he says, this is how it comes across. Uh, he enjoys it, and he expects other people should be able to work that hard and enjoy it as well, which, from my point of view, is not a fair expectation of other people. You can have high expectations for them, and you can push them, but for everybody, I think that might be getting unfair.
0: You know, that's really interesting. Um so to be a software engineer, that has to be true of you, if you're any good. It, it does. It does. And you have to like hard problems, man. You have to like tests. Soft good software engineers are people that like to take tests. And and if you don't like that, you're you're bad at this. Um and so so I mean there's an arrogance to that, right? Like there's 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 something to it, but but not everybody can be a software engineer. I mean it's – it's if everybody would do it, we wouldn't get paid that much because everybody would do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's true that there is a passion behind it. If it wasn't there, you wouldn't have made it this far. You would have gotten hired had you not had this, and that's true. And I actually think where the problem happens is that um, – speaking personally, but I think for a lot of us, that we went into – to a college degree. Most of us have college degrees, not all of us. In fact, the best of us don't, but a lot of us have college degrees and it was expensive and it was hard. And, um, I had a, I had a seven year, uh, average for my major, four year degree, seven year average. I had a 70% dropout in my major, uh, where I went to school and, um, it was brutal. And I dropped out twice and came back. It took me seven, to eight years to get a degree. And, um, and it, the, the thing is that we went into it because we wanted to make video games and we had a passion for making video games. We were addicted to video games. We loved them. They were, we were nerds, right? We were, uh, people that, that, that didn't have a social life, right? It, like, or we, if we did, we had it through these elaborate fantasies and video games fulfilled this need that, um, that, that occupied our time. And we're smart people generally, so we have a lot of thoughts, right? And like we like things that like give us zen, that give us um, outlet for for our racing brains. We need something to do. We're, we're, we're nervous people in a lot of ways. And um, we went into video games thinking, "I will make video games." And we learned C plus plus, and we learned Java, and we learn, you know, all these. Uh, we, I, I took a class where I had to like build a computer like with uh, and or gates and make a flip flop and make and, and half adders and adders and stuff, right? And like, like we built these basic logic and then we wrote assembly code to like run that logic and we like <laughs> knew how the circuits worked from the code that we were writing. And, you know, you go through all this and, like, you're like, oh man, that was hard. But now I get to make video games because you didn't care about any of that. Right. You wanted to make video games. And You wanted to make the super cool flaming sword that smites your enemies. <laughs> right. You want this. And, like, nobody's made a sword as cool as you have thought of. And, like, you went through all of this work and, and, and stress and money for college and all this stuff. And you're like, I'm going to make video games. And you get to the video game industry and you're like, I'm here to make video games. And they're like, okay.
1: I think I know where you're going with this one now.
0: Right, right. <laughs> and like, they're like, like, I need you to like, uh, make this in-app purchase cost $9.99. And you're like, what? And you're like, yeah, you have to deal with Apple's API and you have to like talk to it and you have to do this off and the server side component. You have to figure all this out and you have to make this. And you're like, well, what about the sword? And They're like, oh, no, no, we hide this guy is, is like designed all the swords. And we're like, what? Yeah. Well, the artist drew some cool stuff. And like the producer was like, Hey, that's cool. And I think I could sell it. And you're like, no, no, but the store doesn't even make any sense. I mean, it's on fire, but it does cold damage, right? And you're like, why would you do this? You're like, well, we did some statistics or data scientists said this would make money. And you're like, ah. And the problem is, is that to, to go into that zen of game design, to be happy that you're in the games industry, you need to have creative input. And a lot of engineers don't. We're dealing JIRA tasks somebody has designed the game, somebody who's less passionate about it than we are, right? Seriously, somebody who's reporting to a guy who works in finance, who works in Excel that says, how much does this cost and how much do we make? His boss designed the game, right? I mean, he designed the game, but that's his boss. And like, like he's doing it for all these reasons. And like you're the passionate one. You're the one that went through this college degree that taught you how to like animate 3d objects and do matrix math. So like the thing looks right. You don't have a fisheye effect when it shows on a 2d screen, hmm. you know, you learn all this stuff. And like at the end of the day, you're just working on Jira tasks and it sucks. Right. Cause they make dumb decisions and you watch them do it. And you're like, why would anybody like that? And you're like, well, I don't know. And then like you watch your game fail. Cause 80% of games fail. So,
1: so gonna, that's just you know, going to happen.
0: That's just going to happen. Anyways, even if it was a good game, it might not have done well. Right? And you see all this and your job is to do this like make this function that takes this, you know, these three inputs and it gives this kind of output. It needs to be in JSON, it needs to do this math for this, you know, designer.
1: Right. So, so you wind up you wind up having a task to work on that just doesn't right. intrigue you. Right. So now you're no longer making games. You are writing code for
0: somebody else for money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like and- so it if you're gonna make if you're gonna make a uh as Alex and John does this romantic argument about being, you know, a, a guy in his garage and like programming a game, dude, that guy gets to make the creative decisions. I agree. Right. You know, and, yeah. and games used to be written by nerds for nerds. Right. And the, you know, the, being discriminated against for playing video games. <laughs> and now like girls play video games. I don't know. Right. Like, yeah. Like, it, you know, <laughs> it didn't used to be that way. And this guy's, you know, whatever age he is, right? Like, and he Older than us. Or whatever, older than us. And, you know, it used to be that way, right? Like, it used to be written by engineers who, like, you yeah, know, he, picking the, the stats for the sword wasn't – it was the cool part. That was the payoff. Yeah. And now we don't get the payoff. We just get the work.
1: Yeah. He, he makes a lot of references to, like, he knows a whole bunch of people – who just released one game working out of their garage or whatever, working on their own. And they, they were really young millionaires or whatever. And now they don't know what to do with themselves. And he says, you know, if you're not happy, just leave and make your own, you know, make your own game. You've, you've worked in the games industry. You're passionate. You have everything you need to be able to be a success. And I would take a couple of exceptions with that observation. One. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people who can have great ideas and sometimes it takes, um, additional feedback, additional refinement to, to be able to, uh, make it an actual market palatable product. And I mean, I don't want to make it sound too sterile, but there's, there's the old mantra, you know, I am not the customer. I mean, you can make something that you would find fun, but it's not necessarily going to be something that other people find fun. And that's a skill, you know? Another thing is you talked about, you know, going to school and paying a lot. And or I assume you paid a fair amount of money for your education. Um, but a lot of people will go to school and pay a lot of money and incur a lot of student debt. And when they have those debts, really, there's going to be a different priority because, you know, you've got this, you know, albatross hanging around your neck, you know, and you've got to pay it off. And so you are not in a position where you really can just so, say.
0: Hmm. really so bad for software engineers. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I'm yeah, speaking from the honest.
1: QA side. QA side is going to be yeah, different.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we can pay student debt. It's not so yeah. bad. Yeah. And, and that's his point though, right? I mean, seriously, like I make that joke, but that's kind of his point is like, well, like, do you live in a tent city across the bay? No? Well, so probably not so bad.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean,
0: there, it's there's... an important it's an important point to make. Like, we get paid well. Like, look it up on Glassdoor what software engineers make. Like, it's not <laughs> <you're> complaining.
1: <laughs> Entry level probably makes more than I do now. So, yeah, no joke. And that's
0: yeah. not fair. Yeah, it's not fair.
1: <laughs> Hell, there was one Would point you? where we're just in passing. What was it? I gave out the code for solving the Fibonacci sequence, and you wanted to hire me as an engineer right there. Oh can we go on a deep tangent? Uh, give it a it, shot, man.
0: You should know this about your host. Um he's good. He he really is. He's uh he's an extremely talented QA. He could be an engineer, no problems.
1: Um it probably Yeah, but I don't engineer. wanna be. I don't like doing it.
0: No, and you're good at what you do. I mean, just just because um it's different and, and maybe valued in some ways doesn't mean that that you are not a master of your field, because you're a master of your field. Um uh, Nick taught me things as an engineer. It's interesting because QA normally doesn't do that to you. Uh, that, um, security testing, right? Like,
1: uh,
0: he taught me how to like, like disencrypt HTTPS traffic. Interesting. HTTPS stuff traffic doesn't, uh, stop people from cheating from their own client. Interestingly enough. Everybody thinks that it it makes you secure. It makes you secure from eavesdroppers. It doesn't secure you from the person who's on the other end of that thing. They're still dangerous. You should know that. Yeah.
1: That's, uh, uh, that's if you can route it through a proxy. There's a bunch of stuff that won't, won't uh, support a proxy unless you're on an actual device, in which case you can just put the, 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 the Charles proxy on the device. But, you know, if you're going on mobile, then, uh, not all of them will respect the device's proxy settings and you have to do all kinds of other weird stuff to get it to work. And then you have to start if you want to sniff it, then you have to use Wireshark. And now we have put out so much insider jargon that people are gonna wonder what the hell we're talking about.
0: But but it makes an interesting point, which is why crunch time happens. Because it's way more complicated than you would think that we've made these estimates to the people who pay us money that that we will be in it at such and such a time, and we run into these things that are like, what? What is this? <laughs> like, you don't know. Like, it, like it blows up in your face, and you're like, why does it happen? And l- let me let me give you guys a little insight into how engineering and QA works. I uh, I guess there's a story at the end of this, which I would like to tell, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, QA's job is to find what's wrong with it, and engineering's job is to like follow specs and make sure there's nothing. And you run into these problems that are like, it doesn't work. QA comes back and they're like, it like makes a white screen when I, when I jump this jump or kill this monster or whatever the, the thing QA has done. And you're like, all right, QA, I tried it and it worked. What did you do? And QA's job is to write down the exact steps from like installing the app or the, or installing the game that you install the game and you click these buttons at these places at this time. And then this effect will happen. And their job is to do it reliably, which is difficult sometimes because sometimes like a random number generator causes bugs and QA goes crazy because they can't figure it out.
1: <laughs> or sometimes but... you get that really edge case. You have to have like this one in a million event collision going on. It can, yeah.
0: Yeah, race condition. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that could happen. You're doing multi-threaded programming and it's brutal. And like, like, no. as an engineer, theoretically... I don't have to solve that problem until QA gives me repo steps. Like, if my boss yells at me, like, you haven't solved this problem, I can be like, look, QA wrote this bug, and here are their steps. And I will demonstrate these steps in front of you, and look, the problem doesn't happen. How am I expected to fix that? I don't understand. And so, I mean, it's a hard job being QA. It really is. Like,
1: we, we demand a lot. And Especially when get... the engineers keep coming back and saying it doesn't happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, right?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> no, Because we're not that good at it. And so once you, I, well, I,
1: stuff, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna interrupt your story here with, uh, uh, with a, with a little side thing. You are particularly bad at it, my friend. <laughs> there, you, you'd come I, in in the morning and say, "This is broken. What happened? It crashed. What were you doing? I don't know." No,
0: I know, I know. I can never <laughs> remember. That. That's why I should never be in QA. I don't have a I don't have a brain. You me. should never wow.
1: be in QA.
0: That's why I need project managers. I'm, you know, I don't have any organization to it. Um. But, uh, it's funny because I'm a manager. <laughs> I just hire really good people that don't need management. It's a good, if you're an aspiring manager out there, you should hire good people that don't need management. If they always make you look good and you don't have any work.
1: It's great. Um, but, well, but then, the problem then, is, then the skill is finding the good people.
0: Right. Yeah. I know it sucks because interviews suck. I know it takes a lot of time.
1: I've gotten pretty good and at then, giving interviews. Then, so anyhow.
0: And they will lie to you. All, all your candidates lie, you know. And the, the best ones are humble. So you get these people like, "I'm amazing," and you get these people, "I suck." And like the guy who sucks is better. That's a weird mind trip.
1: Yeah. To, like, I I, I I'd say go. we're on about a six tangent now.
0: Okay. Well, what was my limit? What was you were supposed to give me a number? Did you say I, four? I,
1: the the previous one was four. Okay, four. four. I don't so, know if this yeah. is of ten or anything, so.
0: And people should realize this. I don't know if you've told them. Like, the vision for these games is far greater than what you actually ever get.
1: Almost always.
0: Almost always. Because of most of these reasons. Like, you run out of money, or you run out of time, or the game took three years to make, and it's irrelevant now because somebody already, like, kicked your butt. Or, -hmm. like, graphics have moved on, or whatever.
1: That's what kept happening to Duke Nukem forever.
0: (laughs) Right. No, it's true. Well, they were proud, right? And you should be
1: proud. You know, um, and and, and, yet, and yet somehow it looks like the latest Doom game – I haven't looked into it too much, but it seems like the latest Doom game is what Duke Nukem should have been. Right. And this happens. Um, yeah. There's a
0: famous book called Dreaming in Code, which is about a guy that tries to write a calendar app or something. And like like it, it gets it gets into these abstractions and he just never finishes. And they redesign it and they redesign it and they are finish. And then some guy from the garage kicks his butt. Right, like writes a perfect calendar app because it's not that complicated. I mean, think about it. Yeah. But 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 if you get really into it, if you nerd out on it, it could get really complicated. Like it's like, well, how do you schedule things? It turns out it's an NP hard problem.
1: I don't know. Oh yeah, and then and then you got to start dealing like you're kind of sort of brushing up on the idea of feature creep, which also happens and can also screw up everything. Or you're you're working on a game and then. You know, another game comes out with this feature, and then everyone freaks out. It's like, we got to have this feature. It's like, okay, well, we'll just like flip over the table here and start everything right. from scratch if you want that.
0: Yeah, which is real cool when you're engineering. Like, everything you did, fuck that shit. I'm sorry. Excuse my language. But, like, <laughs> a new thing that. now. A new thing now. And you're like, ah, oh, you don't even know. Like, I made data structures, right? Like, I built a flow. Like, there's, there's all this... You can't you can't get into a podcast. It's just like every semicolon counts, right? Like every, yeah. you you basically have a machine that can add and remember things, okay? And I can I can set a color on a on a two dimensional grid of pixels on your monitor. I can do that too. All right. So I'm gonna make a virtual immersive 3D experience that tells human stories, okay? From like a machine that can add. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have libraries. It's not as hard as it sounds, but
1: it's still hard. Yeah. And it's really complicated, of course.
0: Right. And the guys that are – and this is, this is what I'm getting at. This is why it doesn't stand up. What, I, it, And I, I agree with a lot of what Alex Jackson says. I, mean, I agree with the aggressiveness of the speech, right? Like you're not trying to make everybody happy. You're not being PC, whatever. Like you're trying to be um, real and – I hate that word. Right? And uh, you're trying to to not accept minors, and the truth is whiners are – I'm going to get myself into trouble. Um, smart people refuse to be wrong because it affects their <laughs> identity. And when you hire smart people, they refuse to be wrong. And they would rather work a 100 hours to fix their mistakes than be wrong, right? And that's what our industry is. You mm. could say used to be. It's not true. Is. Um, we have failures, don't get me wrong. And we have more job openings than we can fill because not everybody's suited to this job and people are in here that aren't suited to it. I hire them. It's a mistake. I look bad for doing it.
1: So you're uh, saying you were wrong?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't mention names, right?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. We're not going to mention names here.
0: <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, and it's hard. It is. It is. Um it, The thing to remember is that the investors don't know and don't care the finance mm-hmm. people are supposed to care but don't know how to care and they know yeah. the numbers the project managers are just there to to hit dates right and if the project fails it's on the game designer okay the game designer is just there to make money right his job is to make sure this game makes money otherwise you fire the game designer and he has to make it fun and and addictive and 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 worth spending money on, like better than a beer at a bar, right? Like, dude, did you give us $3.50 in free-to-play? That's amazing. I hope Mm. my hard work of 12 really smart, dedicated, passionate people have provided you $3.50 worth of entertainment. Like, (laughs) and most of the time, most of the time I do LTV calculations. You don't even know. I hired a physicist, and this guy did an 11 stepwise function based on how old you are, the first five minutes was worth different than the first day, which is worth different than the first three days, which is worth different than the first week, which is worth different than the first Monday through uh, Sunday particular day. He like figured out how much you would pay on a day of the week. Right. And mm-hmm. LTV of our users, like LTV means lifetime adver- value, by the way. Yeah. It was yeah. like three dollars. And you're like, that's mm. cool. It costs four dollars to pay for advertising to get one install. So how are you going to do this? And the answer is like panic.
1: Yeah. Right?
0: <laughs> like, by everybody that I just mentioned from this, the investor to the finance guy to the project manager to the, you know, game designer to the engineer to the QA person to everybody panics. Mm-hmm. And, and what's the response? I don't know, make a better game. <laughs> well, it's hard.
1: And that's, what exactly and that pa- and panic? panic is definitely one thing that can lead to legitimate what i would also describe as crunch
0: uh and this is when we're in agreement that and that's what i said at the beginning there will be crunch time because once that product goes live there's no sorry it didn't work we're gonna do it in two months please come back
1: because this is the kind of situation where you either keep working until it's good or the company goes under
0: yeah you get a new job yeah and, if you and, and that that project.
1: that kind of thing, that that kind of situation is the kind of existential threat where you do have to run the, you do have to keep working and you have to keep going. You have to get people to commit as much as you can to the project. And if you're concerned that overworking them is going to introduce bugs, well, if they're not putting that effort into it, then again, the company's going to go under. That's a risk you have to take. Also,
0: we're engineers. I don't know. How bigger audiences, but we get stock for the most part, right? Not everybody gets stock. Not everybody in every industry gets stock, but we get stock. So the argument, like, it's not some like greedy capitalist thing, right? Like the argument that that um if this game makes money, look, it makes a hit game makes way more than you put into it, way more than you put into it. It's just oh, eighty yeah. percent of them fail.
1: Oh yeah.
0: And and if it does win. If people love it and they give it money, you get some of that money. So theoretically, it's on you to get rich, right? It's mm-hmm. the beauty of capitalism. Mm-hmm. We have aligned our interests. That's what they're saying, the investors to your interests. If we get rich, you get rich, right? If, if it is successful, you
1: are successful. It's not and like that, and that, and that, that, that is what justifies, is and that's what justifies yeah. for you that extra effort is because the success of the company itself will give you material rewards
0: that's exactly right that's exactly right so making the argument that you should be loyal and like try to help us win it's a legit argument like if if we win you win so win and (laughs) you know and, and to be honest they don't know anything about it right like engineering specifically but also art and also qa and also game design Like, it's where the rubber meets the road. It's the guys that produce the product. It's not the guys that, like, say when it comes out. It's not the guy that pays the marketing campaign. It's the artist that draws the marketing art, right? It's not the guy that spends the money. It's the guy that produced the asset. Um, That's important. It's where the rubber meets the road. And it's not executive management. It's not the super high-paid, fancy-titled guys. It's not them. It's the people that make the game, specifically write, type things on a keyboard that are part of the end experience, right? That where it matters. And Mm -hmm. you're right. It's where hiring matters. You got to hire the right guys. I mean, game designers, (laughs) theoretically, are the whole business, (laughs) right? Like, theoretically, I could pay enough in engineering to to get what you want with zero bugs. Theoretically, I can pay enough QA people to test every possible button click at every possible thing. I could write engineers to simulate button clicks. I, I could I could pay enough artists to design enough art and do enough A-B tests to find a perfect marketing asset. Right? It all hinges on the game designer. Mm-hmm. And that guy's main job is to make money. It's his main job. Right? Mm-hmm. His job is to design a game that will pay for all this rubbish. Right? Right. Because, so,
1: again, so, if, if you're spending well, more so, 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 money to get the people in than the game makes, then, again panic because like like, like, my says, like my friend greg says like my friend greg says you know someone's got to pay.
0: pay and it costs you because engineers are expensive art if you get enough of this is expensive qa if you get enough of is expensive and those two fields are pe- things you can throw humans at like engineering and i mean uh art and qa are things you could just use more of mm. hire more people it's fine right like you'll never run out of stuff they could do Right. Yeah. like uh, engineering has a has an interesting problem where the more engineers you add, the less efficient your engineers get. And so that's like, actually something
1: add. that Alex St John points out in one of his blog posts about diminishing returns when you add people to the project. Just engineer.
0: Yes, that's not true you, of QA if, uh, in QA and art, but it is. Yeah,
1: true I, I I would say too that the, there's uh, a you you in QA you want to make sure that you have quality people there because if you're just throwing unskilled people at it, you're going to get some garbage out, and you might wind up with creating. Less efficiency on the engineers because of an increase in invalid reports, but
0: only if you accept bugs without repo steps. If they come <laughs> with repo steps, I don't care how many QA. You well, have. I mean, if yeah, you can, you can you can still been...
1: you can still want. You, I've seen a lot of people who can give repo steps, and it's still a garbage report. I've but, seen uh, you
0: manage twenty QA on a project before. Like you could I've, you've had bad QA. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you make I've seen you make value out of your bad QA. <laughs> you know I, I have right and art yeah. is true but like but engineering that's not true like bad yeah. engineers like will destroy good engineers they're but, like but, a virus that infects you there,
1: there, there is there is one thing to talk about here with, with respect to alex and john's writings where he pointed out like and this was in his thing where he was talking about the mythical ideal management and trying to avoid crunch time that the the this and I think this is kind of a mischaracterization he makes to uh, – I suppose this is the correct use of a straw man argument um, where he says basically that a um, uh, people who want this magic management are also those who would believe that uh, uh, you just need to add more engineers when it's clear that you need more work in the project, which would inherently be later in the project. And he kind of illustrates this with a Dilbert strip. Um, I read that. Was,
0: yeah. <laughs> he, like 300 man days, I had a 300 view. I want it done by 5 o'clock. Larry says.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and there was one about uh, uh, how much faster will this be done if I give you two extra engineers? Well, considering the time it would spend to train them and get them familiar with the environment, it would slow <laughs> us down by two months.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? You know what? I, I have an interesting epiphany from what you just said. Is that I'm the people they're complaining about. I'm engineering management, right? I'm director of engineering. I was principal software engineer. I'm director of engineer or director of engineering. Um, like if engineers are complaining about management, I am direct engineering management. That's true, right? Mm-hmm. So theoretically, the people that St. John is reacting to or engineers complaining about work hours or I'm at fault directly, right?
1: Well, here, here's the other thing I though. Was, you, you've, I, you've I, already I... said that you've already said that generally at, at, at your baseline, you want them working about 70%. And, and
0: I've also said, in general, most engineering management is dog shit. <laughs> it is.
1: it, is. it is. And is. They're, they're wimps. At, at, at that point, though, you're agreeing with the people who Alex St. John is arguing against.
0: Right, 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 right. And I, and, but see, the thing is, he has an interesting viewpoint. And he's not wrong. I think he's talking about he's treating engineering management and engineering as the same as an engineering department. And it's and and the engineers who are complaining are treating it as like I'm an engineer and I have a manager, which is me, <laughs> right? You know, every place I worked, right, lately. Um and, you know, I was taught management at the places that we worked together. There was nobody ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And um and they're not wrong. That and here's here's a dirty secret about engineering management. So let me tell you how to be a good engineering manager. If you're listening and you're an engineering manager, this is how you do it. So the way it works is you go to the project management and maybe, I don't know, some executive management, possibly some investors, depending on how small you are. And they say, I want this thing. Okay, now here's what you do as an engineering manager. You try to figure out exactly how much time maximum they will give you for this feature. (laughs) Okay, that's your job. Your job is to be like, I want vocal control of my users, you know, my, my character's fighting movement. And I want it at 5 PM, you know, and that's what you want. And you're like, okay, I will give that to you in the year 2022. Okay. <laughs> it's a negotiation. They don't know how hard it is. turns out there's a library that already does it. They don't know that. Right. And so are like, all right. So I said four years and they're like, no, I wanted it today. i like, well, that's unreasonable. I say four years and they go, how about two years? You're like, look, hey, years a library. It's probably two months. Whatever. All right, fine, man. Four years. And they say yes to it. Bam. You are a successful engineering manager. You asked, like, for four years, and it took you two months. <laughs> it's the only job. Like, it doesn't matter how hard it is. And, and you're going to lose at complicated things, right? They're going to, like, I want you to rebalance our economy by next week. And you're like, that's impossible. But – I've already scheduled into the thing three things that are super easy. You said you give me four weeks for, it, and I can say one depends on the other, and I can't give you this last feature until the other two are done, which I got I, done in two weeks. Like that's what an engineering manager does. So
1: I, I got to laugh really hard because you're basically doing the the Mr. Scott from Star Trek move here too. <laughs> you're exactly right.
0: It's true. And It's so like well, because the thing is they don't know how hard it is. They don't know. It's your job as an engineering manager to be the expert. Your job is to know how hard it is, and they don't know. Their job is to get the best deal for the money, so they they don't know what they're talking about. They just know they want all of it, and they want to don't pay don't want to pay very much for it. And your it's, job they're is
1: they're to, like Freddie Mercury. They want it all, and they want it now.
0: Yeah, right. That's exactly what they're like. And so if your engineering manager caves to those people to look good, they're like, oh, you want all this by tomorrow? You'll be super happy. So maybe I'll get a raise. Your engineering manager will say yes to that, and he will come down to you and be like, you guys better do this shit. And you're going to be like, as an engineer, that's impossible. And he's like, well, I made all these promises and they're really happy. and They took me out for drinks and like we had a good time and I think I'm really in with these guys and they're going to give me a raise. It's going to be great. You guys really need to do this. And they're like, it's impossible. What did I just tell you? And he's like, well, I want you to do it. Okay. So at that point, engineering management, engineer has broken down. Yeah. You have said yes to an unreasonable request and you've put yourself out there and they've offered not just monetary reward, social reward. It's cool that the CEO likes you. It's true. It makes you feel good that the investor know whose your name is and you have solved their problems. Your name is not sure and you're going to solve all their problems in one week, right? They reward that kind of behavior. And now here's the funny thing. You're an engineering manager. Now it's your job to get that done. <laughs> and like, you're like, I don't know four, 10, 12, 30 engineers. And you're like, hey, guys, they uh, need this thing. I said we'd do it by this date. And they're like, we don't know how to do it. Like, we'll figure it out and do it. I'm like, okay, we'll try. And you're like, no, no, try. Do it. Actually do it. Like, it's important. That it's done. The QA says it's done. It's, it matters to me. I made a promise. I mean, I might have been drunk, but whatever, I made a promise. <laughs> and like, like, the engineer's like, you're an asshole. I have to work 100 hours a week to do this. Right? So... If you find that's happening, what you need to do as an engineer, my advice, elect an engineering manager who's not scared of these people, who goes, look, I can get a job next week. I don't care if making more than I make now. It takes four years, and you scare them, and you stare them down, right? Like, your job as an engineering manager, don't, <laughs> don't hire a wimp. Don't hire a wimp. Like, hire somebody that, that... who's got some, some –
1: willingness to stand
0: up to people <laughs> you're to weaponizing
1: alex st john's advice <laughs> am i yeah because he's saying you know if, if you're not happy with your work-life balance or whatever it is or you're not satisfied with it then leave and and either make your own game or make more money in business and it's like so you're taking that and making it a threat to get what you want to get a better you know management Get closer to the, the that uh what uh that mythical management or whatever he, epithet right. he chooses to call it and
0: <laughs> Your job is to reset their expectations. Right? Yeah. And look, if you win, look let's say you were wrong. Let's say you were wrong. And you got it done in the quarter of the time they gave you. Dude, you look like a hero. Yeah. Right? They're happy. You know what? That comp that business idea was worth betting on if it costs four times as much. That's a good business idea to bet on. Like right? mm. They were, they were willing to pay four times as long to develop this thing and you got it done in 25% of the time because you lied to them and they believed it. Like whatever, you just made a ton of money because they have extra money to spend on marketing, right? Or whatever they're going to spend it on, more engineering or less bugs or whatever the hell they're spending on. Yeah. And you're probably going to win. So like there's only one variable in this whole equation that is under human power to change. It's the amount of hours engineers work. Mm. You can't make the design better without testing, right? You can't make the art better without testing. Like, the only thing you can do is iterate faster and test more stuff more often. And the engineers is the only people that can do it. And it turns out, when you go live and you find out your shit failed, like, you're going to need to work. Yeah. And everybody, everybody's going to have an idea how to fix it. Everybody. Is gonna have an idea how to fix it, and you know the person who has to implement and test and find out whose idea worked, engineering, also analytics, so whatever. <laughs> they grade the test. Well, we take well, the test. They grade the test.
1: One thing that I think is is, I mean, a lot of what you're saying here has to. I mean, we each have a lot of experience in like the mobile and free-to-play market, yeah. but that some of that doesn't apply in the same way. To say a console release. So I'd like to just sort of bring into consideration here the story of LA Noir and Team Bondi. And this I think is where you can, even Alex St. John, if he has any intellectual honesty, should say that this was not a good work environment because the stories of that and Brandon McNamara running it were horrible where they were working on, I don't know, like 60, 80 hour weeks minimum, probably more. I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head. For years. And they were subject to all kinds of, like, changing the mind on design, and they have to do all this whiplash stuff. And they were kind of being... Uh, I suppose threatened would be a, an appropriate description where, you know, they could get bonuses for all the work based on the market results of the game, but only if they kept their employment till the end of the project. So they were if, if they put in all this work, they felt pot committed, you know, they put in all this work and they wouldn't see anything coming out of it unless they saw it through to the end. And so that just led to just more effort, more um sort of resentment building up. And, and, you know, if you look up information about this, this project, it was uh, by all reports, it was a nightmare. And um, it, <laughs> I've it seen kind of, it,
0: it, I can imagine.
1: Yeah. It, uh, it, actually left a really big bruise on the australian game development sector it's, and uh
0: it goes back to what i said Nick. like yeah. like you know what i do at work honestly you know what i do i go like agile's the thing right agile's like a development cycle thing and we have sprints and we have jira and this is what i do in an i need perfect specs nope you can't change them not between milestones nope yeah, I'm going to take these specs. I'm going to tell you how long it takes to make them. You are not allowed to change these things till I'm done, right? And if you do that, it, you have to thrash design. Like, that's where the thrash needs to happen. Like, they are lazy sometimes. They push the thrash in engineering, and it destroys everything. And your job as an engineering manager, and your job as an engineer, you know what I tell them, engineers? It's really funny. I have some really smart engineers who are very timid. And I'm like... Look, what happens if you just say no? You're the only person that can do this. I'm in a room full of people; none of them can do this. You're the only person that can do this. You're the only person that knows the code. The only person that's done the documentation. Or, I mean, read the research, right? Uh, you're the person. If you say I'm not doing this till tomorrow, what are they gonna do? <laughs> they're gonna do nothing. They're gonna wait for you to do it tomorrow, and they're gonna get mad, but they're gonna let you do it. And the important thing to know is, if you're an engineer and you're unhappy, do flex your weight. You have weight. You know, you could just be like, I'm in charge of this part of the project. This is how it goes. And if they're like, I don't like that. You're like, well, then I'm not doing it. And I promise you, it costs them more to find, to spend the time to hire somebody, to talk to the recruiters, to pay. You know what we pay recruiters? 25% of your annual salary. That's what recruiters make every time we hire somebody for them. So I got to pay them 25% of your annual salary, which is whatever it is. And then I have to teach you how it works because it's totally reasonable for an engineer to be like, I'm new. I can't solve the hardest problem here in the first week I'm here. So I got to pay you a month or two before you're even useful. And then my product's delayed for a month or two, which is worth more than any of you engineers. <laughs> hmm. um, because marketing is everything, you know, and, and so, so you have negotiating power by saying, I'm doing it this way. And if they thrash you, just tell them no. I'm not thrashing. <laughs> and what are they going to do? They're going to yeah, fire you. Yeah. How many engineers do you know that have gotten fired? Name one, right?
1: Can if you? I racked my brain, I can probably cut layoffs don't count.
0: Layoffs um, don't count. Layoffs, they kill the yeah. whole department. Actual,
1: actual count. downsizing doesn't count. Yeah. Um, I can name a couple. And I think you know who I, uh, you know the same people. Uh, but that was, uh, that happened. Yeah, that was, that was very well earned.
0: Right, right, right.
1: It's <laughs> you and I would have a lot more money if they didn't do that. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but, uh, you know,
0: I mean, so he's not wrong. It's not so bad being yeah. a software engineer. It's not, and if you're a wimp, if, like, you know, you you work in the games industry, right? This is a really funny.
1: I want to get Yes, out... I do work I wanna... in the games industry.
0: <laughs> I want to work I want to get in some we're we're coming near the end, right? I got to I got to get out of here in a bit. But oh, sure. um, yeah. uh uh we we anecdotal stories which I've been looking forward to. <laughs> and um uh one of the one of the good stories is is uh oh, let me just go to the end, story. I want to do my
1: my fun. Yeah, talk. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we we've been at this for a long Actually, hold on. Yeah, we've been at this for a long time, but there's one other thing that I want to hit on Alex, uh, St. John's, uh, you know, pieces, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up for tonight. And one thing that, that I gotta say is one of the real reasons that people have such a big backlash against him is because he presents himself in all of this such stuff like such a, like a very dismissive jackass. And he, you know, like you say, he's not wrong. There's a lot of points there, but when he, he, a lot of what he says is very diminishing to a certain point of view. And like I said, there's a lot of, I think what he's talking about when he's talking about crunch is just overtime and it's going to happen here and there. And he doesn't define his terms here. He talks about how everyone who's complaining about crunch is just a whiny baby and they're so worried about work-life balance when their work should be so rewarding that they don't. And he has other stuff about kind of, I don't want to open a whole new can of worms here, but, you know, he makes statements about women in the industry and and there were other uh, uh, reactions to that. There were uh his hiring slides that people took exception to statements about people with Asperger's. And, and I understand kind of what he's talking about with that, but I think his presentation was done in such a way that it incited some of the reaction that he gets. And that's what one of the things that I find interesting about it is because... It kind of glommed the whole like internet games culture onto him for about three days of massive anger, and then like the the torch and pitchfork mob kind of moved on. But you know he's still there talking, and and you can see in his blog there's other stuff. And but he he it wasn't like he said it to get attention because the stuff that he's talking about he's still presenting himself that way, and. I don't know, it drives me nuts sometimes when people um, manage to obfuscate their own adequate point with a really bad presentation. Not just bad, but, you know, arguably insulting. So that's what that, that, that was my piece, if you'd like to, to reply to that at all.
0: Yeah, so when, when I first Googled this, the number one hit was his daughter being like, this guy's a dick. <laughs> and she made this interesting point, actually that that i, I want to say both sides of this just real quick that uh in my engineering field uh uh, uh college college experience i think there were f- four girls in any classes that i saw i'm not i'm not speaking for the whole major but i think i saw four girls in my classes and i had i, w- I w- it was an impacted major my classes were full not a lot of girls in computer science when i went to school which was 8 years so you know good segment
1: (laughs) i have reason to believe that the demographics are shifting there
0: uh it's true um and uh anyways so so on one side are women rare in my field yes absolutely um does his daughter make this really interesting point which is she said that women in the field he said they have an advantage i think was what she took acceptance to and she said that like when you're good They're going to put you as a sales engineer, which honestly is a junk career path. And it's not a junk career path. It's you're a bad engineer, but you're sociable. That's why you're there. And Mm. is that insulting to just put every woman who shows up in sales engineering? Yes, because it means you're not a good. We're not we don't want you working on a product. We want you explaining the product to somebody who doesn't understand engineering, which is a patronizing (laughs) uh, uh, thing to do to women, which. Right. I don't know that happens because there's so few girls in my field that like I just haven't experienced it.
1: But yeah, yeah your your personal experience is limited. It is not a representative sample size. And,
0: and I work at small startups, so we don't have mm-hmm. like, a huge engineering department like bigger companies would, which would have a better statistical sample than me. But um uh I could see that, though, that that you're putting girls in sales engineering positions, which is insulting. And it is. It's true. And she's right. And don't get me wrong. Um, if you're a bad engineer and sociable, you should be a sales engineer. I'm not making a gender comment there. I'm just saying if that's you, whoever you are, that's a good job. They'll pay you a lot because you can bring in millions of dollars. So they'll pay you a lot. Um, but she makes good, good, good points, which means, you know what, you know, is, 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 is acidic as that whole relationship seems. I'd say he raised a good daughter. Yeah, she seems smart. She seems aggressive. She seems like she knows the hell she's talking about, and she's not willing to be treated uh, as a le- lesser intellectual uh, being than than anybody else, and is unwilling to be patronized over it. And that's <laughs> that's at least some measure of uh. uh th- and that's what I'm saying. Don't be a wimp as an engineer. A lot of nerds mm-hmm. are wimps. Don't be a wimp. Like you, you don't understand, but you're in tech. You're in charge. They can't force you. And they can't go around you. They have to go through you. You're a bottleneck. Know it. Monetize it. Uh, you know, don't don't work extra hours for no extra pay. Get extra pay. Yo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. I think that's a good point for us to start wrapping up tonight.
0: Okay, um, but I get to
1: tell a story at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as, as always, uh, we're going to share a little story. And uh, – Eric, I, I believe you have something to, uh, to to share with all of us tonight.
0: Yeah, I cleared it with him beforehand.
1: <laughs> God.
0: My favorite story about about Nick, your host, is uh, I was uh, an engineer and he was a QA manager. And uh, we had an um, overtime scenario and we did a lot of work and we had to launch in a very limited amount of time. It was very important. And uh, so whatever, we commit to Git. We make a build. Jenkins makes a build, and it goes to QA. And uh, uh, the, the reason I tell this story is because of Nick's reaction is so exquisite. <laughs> um, so, so he gets the new build, and he knows we're going live. He understands all the everything's at, at stake. And uh, I go, "Hey, QA, can you do a, a smoke test on um, whatever 3.78b what it and, uh, and and I say, I say. Uh, by the way, when I mean smoke test, I mean test the whole thing, and if any bugs go out, it's your fault, it's not my fault. But smoke test because it has to be done in about two hours. <laughs> and he stands up. He never stands up, and he's a big guy. <laughs> like Nick is tall, right? And he stands up, and um, you know he's into MMA. I don't know if you know that. And uh, <laughs> and he goes, he goes. He looks me right in the eye, and I'm looking right at him when I say this because
1: you know he's headed <laughs> And he goes, he goes. You know that. And and we I, were we were sitting Seated facing each other. Yeah, too, right. I think yeah, at the we, time.
0: We're not that far from each other. And he, he looks at me and he goes, I'm standing up because I'm, you know, aggravated because I'm doing all this stuff. And he goes, he goes, that kind of talk deserves a punch to the back of the head. <laughs> and you he, he just silent. <laughs> like, he might hit me. <laughs> <laughs> and I smile. And my joke is that, like, it's true. I'm, what I said is true. It's true. But at least I'm acknowledging what I've said, right? Some project managers, some of these guys, they'll they'll say to give a smoke test and, like, they'll do a smoke test and they'll go on and go out and have a bug and they'll play in QA. I'm at least saying it up front, like <laughs> – like, look, let me tell you something. We're gonna launch. You, you, tomorrow you, you,
1: tomorrow. At least you admit you're a jackass. Yeah,
0: right. At least I admit it, right? That's my point. That's why I said it, right? I'm an honest person. Like, like, look, this is a dick You're not
1: gonna stab me in the back. No, you're gonna stab me in the belly, like a civilized man.
0: Like a civilized man, right? I'm gonna tell you when to do it, and then I'm gonna do it, and then I'm like, hopefully you don't die.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: not. I'm just saying it's it was a you know thing. Anyways, that was my story about Nick. It's a good story. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Nick, for having me. I appreciate
1: yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, thanks to everyone for joining us. If there's anything you'd like to hear us talk about or see me write about, uh, you can always get in touch with me at kinetic at com. That's K-Y-N-E-T-Y-K at com. And unless my life continues to be on fire and makes me break my promises again, you'll be able to see my next the next uh, Behind the Line article next week and the next Behind the Line radio in two weeks. See you next time, everybody.
0: Behind the Line Radio is presented by Enthusiacs.com. For more podcasts, Let's Plays, articles, videos, reviews, and more, visit us at Enthusiacs.com. Also, send us a comment on Twitter, at Enthusiacs. View us on
1: YouTube, channel Enthusiasts and like us on Facebook, Enthusiasts.